You're listening to another episode of Heatwave Radio's Classic Movies Live, the show where we talk about movies that came out in 2020. And today, we're talking about a movie that came out on September 11th. This is The Devil All the Time. Uh, this was a movie about people in the Midwest uh, from Ohio and West Virginia who speak in... They're, they're all played by British people, and they all speak in, honestly, pretty passable Southern accents. So... Uh, you know, if you haven't if you haven't heard him already, maybe go and uh, check out a tra- any of the trailers for this movie that uh, show off Robert Pattinson's accent. It's I don't know if it's authentic, but it's impressive. Anyway, uh, it is hard to talk about this movie without spoiling things, so we do do that for about ten minutes or so. But then there is a spoiler warning before we get into the real stuff. So. Um, yeah, if you haven't watched this movie and you do when you want to, just uh, listen listen for that spoiler warning. And in the meantime, here is some music from The Devil All the Time. Are you washed in the blood? In the blood, in the soul, cleansing blood of the all your garments spotless, are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Have you been to Jesus for his cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you trusting in His grace this hour? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood, in the, blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless, are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? You're listening to another episode of Heatwave Radio's Classic Movies Live, the pre-recorded show where we talk about movies that have Robert Pattinson in them, sometimes. Sometimes we don't do that, but usually we do. Uh, So we had an episode about Tenet, and Robert Pattinson's been in, has he been in more than two movies this year? This might be the only other one that he was in this year. Um, I'm trying to think. Yeah, as, as far as I've seen, yes, I, I, I think so. Was Batman supposed to come out this year? I know it's been screen, I, I know it's been like uh, filming this year and that got delayed and eventually pushed back. But was it originally supposed to be out this year? Or was it always last uh, next year? I believe it was next year, always. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, the movie we're going to be talking about today is the Netflix movie, The Devil All the Time. Now, as far as I know, I'm actually not sure. This one, was this one always a Netflix movie? This may have been one that got moved to Netflix. Uh, possibly, yeah. I do know, it. I, I read a bit about the director. It seems he has worked with Netflix uh recently in the past so i could see i could see why i could see it being a netflix original but also like this didn't feel entirely like a netflix movie so it did feel very theatery i guess yeah but then also the type of cast that drew um, i feel like only netflix could really afford that for such a relatively small original movie 
Actually, yeah. not original, but yeah. Well, I'm going to say, like, so that if, if this movie was, like, a huge action blockbuster, then obviously it gets this kind of cast and it goes straight to theaters. It's like the next Fast and the Furious. But yeah. because this movie was such, like, a slow, not actually indie movie, but it kind of felt like an indie movie in what it was tackling and, like, how it was paced and really everything about it except for maybe the production value. This is very strange that it got the cast it did. I guess just for context, we're talking Robert Pattinson. We're talking Tom Holland in one of his rare non-Marvel appearances. We got Sebastian Stan and at one point uh, Christopher e- or Chris Evans from Marvel as well. But like apparently he was too busy and gave this over to his friend Sebastian Stan, a man who's been in way more movies than he has very recently. Um, we got Mia Wasikowska, who everyone knows from the Alice in Wonderland movies. And um, Jason Clark, who just like happens to be in everything. I don't know why. He's just there all the time. And Bill Skarsgård. There's like everyone in this movie. Yeah, it was nice to see Bill Skarsgård in a role that wasn't Pennywise. So Yeah, because like to his credit he disappears into the role of pennywise he's really good at yeah. it but like he is also a good actor outside yeah. of that role and it's good to see him and stuff especially i think this was uh in this movie he played a war vet which i think is just a role that he does really well i don't know if i've ever seen him in another movie where he plays that same role but i kind of feel like i did like i have because he's so natural in it yeah, I, well, this is the first time I've seen him in a non-Pennywise role, so I can't say much. But I did. He, he was a highlight, I think. Um, so I guess, like, before we get too into it, you want to tell us what this movie's about? Because this one is, sure. uh, well, I mean, I don't know. What this movie's about might be a big question, but what goes on? What happens? Well, apparently it's based on a book. So um, correct. it's not an entirely original story, and it's... It's about, it's, it's kind of, it feels like a movie about generations almost. It's hard to say. So it's a, we kind of start off with, I believe it's, um, well, the general story is Bill Skarsgård is Tom Holland's dad, right? But then Tom Holland isn't necessarily in, he's a child, so they're not using him yet. And, yeah. um, the father, like, or we kind of get detailed that the father comes home from the war, he meets a nice wife, um, and then eventually, uh, his, I guess his his wife, or okay, damn it, I don't know how to. Okay, well, we we go through that life, right, and the ups and downs of Tom Holland's life as a child, and then about halfway through the movie, it fast forwards to, uh. I guess what this would be in the 60s, right around Vietnam, another Vietnam movie. And it follows uh, Tom Holland uh, following the events of whatever happened in the first half, half as he, I guess, struggles with sort of like the the demons of his past, almost uh, of his father and that like he is damn. I did not think this would be that hard to to describe. Do you but... want me to? Do you want me to take over here, real yeah, quick? Yeah, can you do it, please? <laughs> yeah. So, um, at the very beginning of the movie, we have Willard Russell is his name. That's Bill Skarsgård's character, and he comes back from um, from the war, 
But this is the early 50s, so I think he might be coming back from the Korean War. I'm not 100% sure on that. Uh, just that is what the war would have been at the time. But he specifically has memories of like the war in the South Pacific, so I'm pretty sure he's a World War II vet. Mm. Um, anyway, he comes back and like he's very scarred by the war, and it makes him... He has he comes from a spiritual family, like a very God-fearing family. But because of his experiences in the war, he's just like he's he's sort of lost his way. And he comes back and he meets back up with his mom, and his mom has promised to God that if he comes back from the war safe and sound, she will marry him off to this one girl in town whose parents died in a fire or something. Um and so they meet, but when they meet up, they, they don't click at all. Like, they're, they're friendly, but they're not that friendly. And instead, eventually, Willard Russell ends up moving out to, I believe it's Ohio. One of the locations is Ohio, um, and the other location is West Virginia. Okay, he is from West Virginia. He moves out to Ohio and marries a girl that he met for, like, one minute in a bar, uh, not in a bar, in a in a cafe, and they have a very happy life until and and they they have one son who grows up to be Tom Holland, and eventually, like at the end of the first act, um, Tom Holland's parents, Bill Skarsgård and his wife, uh, die, and so Tom Holland goes back up to live with Bill Skarsgård's mother in West Virginia, who and um who is also looking after the daughter of the girl that she was going to marry uh marry her son off to and that's kind of where the main story sets in because then it's sort of the story of Tom Holland's relationship with his sister not in a weird way just like <laughs> his sister uh you know his sister is living her life at the end of high school he's living his life at the end of high school and they are very good friends and there's there's a lot of stuff that happens and like that's kind of more it than anything i think that um i mean i definitely couldn't talk too much more about the story without getting more spoilery but kind of the point of this story is that like a bunch of bad stuff happens to everyone through kind of no one's fault yeah okay well, you know a lot better than me even that wasn't perfect for sure there's there's kind of a lot that happens in this movie, and I feel like it's very difficult to talk about without spoilers. Yeah, well, I, I'd say like the biggest, the, the, like the obviously the reason I had problems describing it is this movie is so oddly paced and fleshed out that it's it's really hard to even like know what this the story because the story there's a story right, but then when I think about it, it's it just feels like stuff kind of happens with like a loose linear narrative around it, even though it felt like there was supposed to be a much tighter story, if that makes you sense. Know, you know what this movie kind of reminds me of? Um, I, I know this is everyone's favorite thing to hear about, but I'm going to talk a little bit about Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, when I'm, when I'm, 
when I like start thinking of a world that I want to DM in Dungeons and Dragons, which I never do because I'm not very good at it, but I need more practice anyway. Anyway, when I start thinking of a world, like I'll usually think of a couple of characters and like really, really flesh them out. But like, I won't focus necessarily that much on the story because the story just has to play out. Right. And it kind of feels like that's what's going on here. There's probably 10 characters who are really well fleshed out but there isn't really a specific story tying them together. It's more like events that keep bringing them together. And those events all together, like all of those events, when you string them together, make a narrative, but it's really hard to describe it as A happens and then B happens and then C happens in such a way that A has also affected C. Because like, there's so many different things that happen and none of them... But at no point does anyone have like one specific goal they're working towards or anything. It's it's hard to describe, but basically there's there's not much of a plot, but there is a narrative. I guess. Well, okay, I, I guess the biggest thing is just that like I really feel like the the devil all the time had so much potential in terms of connecting these threads so much better that it just like when when everything because it spends so much time feeling like everything was pointless honestly and then in the third act when everything starts connecting i kind of got a little excited and i'm like okay now this movie's going somewhere right but then each each of the threads that were started earlier in the movie really have nothing to do with the end of the movie i kind of find that the eventual connections of those threads are kind of disappointing in as far as like they're not that meaningful. Like we, we follow, there's one couple who uh, is like a serial killer couple. And then there's, um, and we're follow. they're sort of background characters from the very beginning and they're doing their own thing. And every now and then we check in with them. And then there's Tom Holland and like, he's the main story. And eventually Tom Holland meets them. And that's, kind of it like nothing really profound happens it's just we've been it's just that those two people's lives have met at this point yeah and then tom holland moves on to the next thing and you're just like wait are you is this really all that like this was for um because like especially i uh okay i don't like the first i don't like the whole split narrative thing specifically because it really doesn't matter they could have honestly they could have done the first the first 50 minutes of the movie could have been done in like five minutes if they were smart about it mm -hmm. and i get that it was based on a book so they might have wanted to respect the the narrative structure of the book but like unless it like if if the if the story with um what's his who played pennywise again bill skarsgård if the story of bill skarsgård and his son was like a little more meaningful to like the climax or even like the second half of the movie then then it would make sense right but it it just i was waiting to see the more crossovers and stuff but really the only similarity is, is like is that they i guess the the climax is slightly related to Tom Holland's parents, 
But even that is like a very loose, it's more like a location rather than an actual plot line, if that makes sense. Yeah, the 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 climax of the movie ties all the threads together, technically. But yeah. like it's it's really disappointing as a climax of the movie because it's one dude who was not really involved in any of the stories so far. He just happens to have experienced it in the periphery, uh, drunkenly like chasing down Tom Holland in the forest. Yeah. That's kind of it. So, I mean, like, if that's, if that's like all, like, if, if the climax is, isn't a, a culmination of everything, then, Honestly, the movie just kind of ends up being a bunch of shitty people doing shitty things. And then Tom Holland's kind of just caught in the middle of it, but also not really. Like, he's caught in the middle of it, but then, like, it's like, uh, it's like he he wasn't really necessary, you know, because I I didn't really once he once the third act starts and Tom Holland kind of uh, starts his like his uh journey towards the climax i guess and the end of the movie he he really doesn't his character really has no motivation past past like the first five minutes of the climb of the third act right mm -hmm. um because he or at, at one point of the movie he goes on the run and it's it's like the the story after that isn't really necessary at all just because he like I don't know what his character wants anymore, and even his goals like his goals in in the second act of he he wanted to protect his sister weren't really like I guess they were relatable, but they didn't feel like a real motivating factor for him. If that makes sense, mm -hmm. um, and yeah, like his character just felt aimless, and I wasn't entirely sure what the goal was for like 90% of the movie with him. So I feel like we're sort of dodging a lot of plot details here in in service yeah. <laughs> of avoiding spoilers, which is fine. But I'm going to put an official spoiler warning right here. If you've cool. made it this far uh, without and, and you want to see the movie, go watch it. Uh, unless, Pierre, would you would you recommend going to watch this movie if you have made it this far? Uh, sure, it's on Netflix. Why not? Okay, there you go. Enthusiastic recommendation from both of us. Of uh, here's a spoiler warning. So now I think, um, so as of now, now we can talk about spoilers, but I think in service of that, it might be a little, it might be good to sort of summarize the second act of this movie because uh, I'm going to do that with spoilers because the second act of this movie is where most of this movie happens. So in the first act, we had Bill Skarsgård, and he uh, goes off into he goes off to West Virginia. Was it West Virginia or is it Ohio? Oh, I keep forgetting. Uh, it was Ohio. Ohio. He goes off to Ohio. Uh, he lives life with his beautiful wife. They have a they have one young, lovely Tom Tom Holland, and uh, Tom Holland goes off to West Virginia. Okay. In the second act, we have Tom Holland who's living with his grandmother. We have uh, Tom Holland's character is Arvin. Uh, he is living with his grandmother along with his sort of cousin, um, Lenora, or sort of cousin, sort of sister, actually not really related at all, who also lives there. And the, the main 
point is that Arvin is not very religious, um, and but like really, really loves his family. And Lenora is extremely religious and like sort of hangs on religion a lot, but she keeps getting bullied for it because she's kind of a pushover. So Arvin like has to keep beating up her bullies at school. Um, Lenora every every day will go after school to the graveyard to visit her mother. And eventually, uh, shortly into the second act, this is sort of the inciting incident of the second act, Robert Pattinson, who is the Reverend Preston Teagarden, comes in as the new preacher for the for the town. And one day he finds her at the at the graveyard uh, when Arvin is not around. And he sort of takes advantage of Arvin's sister. And this whole thing leads to a scandal, which results in Lenora seemingly killing herself, which then sets Tom Holland on his on sort of a mission to get to avenge his sister. And that's kind of that's the that's the second act in a nutshell. Yeah, that's a that's a good summary. <laughs> um yeah, so I mean like it was sort of an interesting act. Uh in terms of like I I I I kind of felt for Tom Holland's character in that like I guess he was trapped in an awkward spot and um he the way he was acting was sort of reminiscent of his father, right? They 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 add some parallels there, which is like kind of a cool connection. Does it really mean anything? Not really. Uh so like still kind of unnecessary, but like I guess it's solid. Like it's nothing that interesting, but I will say uh Robert Padson's character completely stole every scene he was in. I don't know how he did it. It might be because I'm biased towards him now. I, but, I gotta say, it's definitely partially because it's Robert Pattinson. Yeah, but um, I don't know. Every like, I loved every. He wasn't. He was in this movie actually very little. I was surprised. Mm-hmm. I thought he was in it way more. Um, because I uh, I would guess he had maybe like five minutes of screen time. Honestly, right? It was like, probably more time. than that. Like it was probably closer to ten. Okay. Um. But yeah, like he he had a great scene. Him, there was that one scene with him and Tom Holland uh, where they face off. It was cool, but um, I think it was very well acted. But like honestly, the scene itself is relatively underwhelming. If that makes sense? Because mm-hmm. um, it has a good build up, but then I feel like just the whole scenario was very stale, and that they were just kind of talking to each other, but the talk didn't really mean much. And then yeah. Tom Holland just kind of kills him. And like there wasn't anything like interesting cinematography wise. It was just back and forth shots. None of them were moving. Um and like you kind of it 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 kind of felt like there was no point at once uh once he once he points the gun at at the the preacher, uh everything they say after that is just kind of pointless. Mm-hmm. Uh Robert, I do want to mention that Robert Pattinson does have the all like this the year's greatest roast in this movie. Uh, his introduction scene is calling out Tom Holland's mom, who is or grandmother, who's just been established as the best cook in the county, as a poor soul that everyone should feel sorry for, but that is doing her best. 
and like just completely throwing her under the bus in front of the entire community <laughs> because she decided to not shell out for expensive meat at the <laughs> um, at the potluck. Yeah, it I was a, I was a kind of funny savage. <laughs> it's it's hilarious and also like it's oh it's it's really rough. Yeah, and it it was the the diet the way he the way he plays that scene out is really really cool I think because he he's playing a fine line there right between you know he's obviously someone that everyone trusts and respects and stuff like that but then the the menacing undertones just like emanating from him is like so and cool. I think what's cool about that is like he delivers this speech that in actuality is a very is a like a very charismatic speech and a pretty okay sermon. But if you know, like the audience does, and like uh, Tom Holland's grandmother does, the context behind that speech, it is the most evil thing he could do in that moment. Yeah. So uh, that, that, was, that was cool. Well, see, that's the, every, every scene with him was cool, but then he wasn't in it that much. Um, and he played a great villain. Uh, who mm -hmm. else was there? There was... Okay, I will say Tom Holland was also pretty great with his role. I don't think he was... I mean, he was given a lot to do, but then also, like, his character was mostly one-noted, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, his... I gotta say, like, I have a feeling that it's going to be very hard for people in general. I mean, it's hard for me to watch Tom Holland in this role and not at least kind of see Spider-Man. Yeah, and I don't uh, want to compare this role to Spider-Man because they're very different. But like, if I'm comparing this role to Spider-Man, I'm like, huh, it's neat to see Tom Holland in a role that's not Spider-Man. If yeah. I'm not comparing it to Spider-Man, I think he did okay. He didn't do anything special. Like, he was fine. He was very much, you know, he was about as good. Uh, he was maybe a little better than Dev Patel in, uh, um, in David Copperfield. And as far as he had a little more of a presence, but like mm. he was about the same. They both did very competently. Yeah, I can agree to that. Um, who else was there? There was Jason Clark. I actually really like Jason Clark. And well, I gotta say, just before we talk about Jason Clark, because I'm about to do that too, I want to. I just wanted to interject that like this is the side story happening at the same time, and like this is. It's not that bad of a part of the movie. In fact, I liked most of the scenes that happen in that side story. But the side story itself is given so little weight in the movie that, like, these end up being the weakest scenes. Because as we're seeing Tom Holland play out his plot, every now and then we'll cut back to Jason Clark and uh, Riley Q is her name, I think. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. But anyway, they're the serial killer couple and they're going around committing murders and picking up hitchhikers. And it's sort of it does sort of chronicle their lives um, and like how they develop as serial killers. The thing is, this doesn't really tie in with the rest of the movie, except in a few very specific scenes that end up basically meaningless. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Well, now you now I got to talk about that storyline. I, I hate it. I don't like it at all. It's so stupid. Like I love, I love the the concept of it. It's kind of interesting, 
on surface, right? But mm. then, like, we have a bunch of scenes that don't really matter where we, we see them killing people, right? Yeah. And, like, okay, after the first one, we kind of get the message, right? Like, we know, and that one was connected to the main plot in terms of that was they killed Lenora's father. Yes. Who was uh, the previous pre or who was a preacher and also, uh, I guess, Tom Holland's uncle, sort of step on step i don't know no not uh, related at all not related at all okay never mind but it was it was kind of connected so i understand that but then we get we get more scenes of them doing the same thing and then we have a slight hesitation like there's it's it's like they're building towards a a sort of maybe redemption arc with the girl right or not even a yeah. redemption arc but just like like she's she, she might, might get out slightly. at the end or something yeah and then we get to the scene where they kidnap Tom Holland, um, which I was really excited for because I was like, OK, he's hitchhiking. This is going to happen. This is going to be this might be kind of cool because I want to mm -hmm. see how he deals with the situation because because um, their form of like kidnapping and murder is like very, very uh, unique and disturbing. Right. It's just like I don't understand how you would work that situation out. Right. So then yeah. you get to that scene and then she doesn't end up doing anything uh the, the narrator I, I hate the narrator but the narrator explains that she almost thought of just running away with tom holland for some reason and and making which would have been life. a much more interesting scenario although yeah. i don't see how it would have happened yeah but uh all the scene leads to is tom holland ends up killing both of them with a gun in a very anticlimactic way in that he catches jason clark by surprise and then shoots him in the gut and then it's over and then there's like a a five second face off with the female the female murderer and conveniently her gun has blanks so tom holland doesn't die which also mm -hmm. really pissed me off i that was such a, a cop out in my opinion and uh, and that whole scene was just really, really disappointing. Because, yeah, it doesn't really it, it, it had nothing to do with the story in general. And um, I guess it, well, I, I guess it so, sort of connects to the end, but it's such that's a the thing, too, is that should be the that is technically the point where every plot thread in this movie connects. And yeah. yet it, it's so anticlimactic. And like, not even just anticlimactic. Like, you can be something can be anticlimactic and still be like, and still work, but this doesn't. In general, yeah. Uh, so I like that scene kind of pissed me off. But then that then that brings in the Sebastian Stan character, who, who's the the Poor chief Sebastian Stan is really just. He he gets the shit end of the stick in this movie. Not his character, just like in general, he's probably I'm gonna say that besides Robert Pattinson, he is the best actor in this movie. And yet, like, I kind of just hated his character when I actually did have to interact with him. And when I didn't, I did not care about him at all. Yeah, he didn't really have much to do, and he was kind of a scumbag. So mm -hmm. like 
like for them to bring him in so like as like a almost like a sympathetic villain maybe because tom holland killed his sister and then the sheriff comes in and he's like okay i'm gonna murder tom holland for killing my sister basically and i gotta or also like he has to tom holland knows that she was a murderer and he needs to erase any evidence of that if he ever wants to be married i guess so uh, sheriff he wants to be sheriff he wants to just keep oh. being sheriff oh never mind okay and then um so he tracks down tom holland and then it's another extremely anticlimactic scene because well first of all tom holland and him really had no interaction for the whole movie basically yeah um so there's there's really no nothing felt during the climax between these two guys uh and then the way they end, they the way they end up is that Sebastian Stan misses his shot. Tom Holland shoots him, and a very not not really tense at all showdown, which was equally disappointing. And it was to me, it was especially disappointing because Sebastian Stan comes into the showdown drunk, and like it just kind of seems like it's for no reason. So like. It's not adding anything to the scene. And all it does to me is make it so that, you know, this showdown scene where, I, I mean, at, at, by the time that it gets to a showdown in the woods where they're, where they're just trying to find each other, you've already kind of muddled that scene. But at the very least, like, in a movie, this is where they, like, do a bunch of talking and we find out, uh, I don't know, all sorts of stuff. It should be like a big dramatic moment but like because he's come because he's coming in drunk they don't actually use that at all they just sort of like have him say some stupid stuff every now and then and it just <laughs> it, it you know the the whole scene which is already kind of starting off on the wrong foot just doesn't get better yeah i don't i don't understand what what their goal was with this because like i understand maybe if he was a sympathetic character and now it's like Tom Holland is, is like really conflicted and he ends up being the bad guy for, for killing the sheriff who's just trying to do his job. Right. Or something. Mm -hmm. And, but no, he, he's like, he's a, he's basically a murderer and he, he takes bribes. He's a corrupt cop and he's given literally, I, I want to say literally no redeeming values in so I couldn't care less if he dies. And I know he's going to die in the finale because that just felt like where the movie was headed anyways. So it's it's just a really boring... Like, I can't believe that was the climax because it, yeah. it really brings in none of the themes of the movie into play. It just kind of happens. And you're like, okay, Tom Holland killed the last main character. I guess that's the end of the movie. So, um, so yeah, speaking of the I themes of this movie... I mean, I think, I think that does, I don't know. I, I kind of wish I knew this book because I have a, I'm certain the book handles all of this stuff better. I mean, that kind of seems like a foregone conclusion anyway. But like, I think that one of the themes of this movie is like people. Okay, so one of the, one of the things about this movie, not, not necessarily one of the themes, but there is, there are no good characters in this movie. Maybe, maybe Tom Holland's sister, but like everyone in this movie does something does something bad 
pretty often. Tom Holland, like, is constantly beating people up. Tom <laughs> Holland's dad is constantly beating people up. Uh, Jason Clark is killing people. Uh, just there's, there's just, like, a lot of bad stuff going on. Like, every single person. And you shouldn't actually be rooting for any of these characters. And that's just, like, kind of how these characters are written. But I think that one of the themes of this movie is that even when the characters try or get the opportunity to redeem themselves, um, they end up messing that up and, like, ultimately failing at it. Because though it kind of ends in a place where Tom Holland can probably redeem himself after the movie, uh, like, the, the last thing he does is... So he goes out of his way to do, like, one single murder. He kills the priest. And then he's put in a position where he has to kill a murderer in self-defense and then another murderer also in self-defense. But then killing those two murderers puts him on the bad side of the law and now he's had to kill a sheriff also in self-defense, but now he's killed four people when all he wanted to do was kill one guy. The sheriff, as he's coming into that scene, even though like this isn't communicated through interesting scenes, but it is sort of communicated, the sheriff... Uh, has just started started on his road to becoming not as corrupt by like he just went out of his way to people sure it's it's not a great start right (laughs) but like what he's done is he's gone and he's basically eliminated organized crime within that town because he takes out the leader of organized crime in that town so like he is now in a position where sure he's probably still going to be corrupt however the guy who was basically controlling him no longer can because he's dead. So sure, he's still going to take bribes, but at the moment, he's got no one to take bribes for and therefore, by definition, must be as morally upstanding as is possible because there's no one else to take bribes from. Bad conclusion there. But anyway, he also (laughs) is like, he's also trying to sort of, in, in his own way, he's trying to fix his situation but then puts himself in a situation where he's trying to kill a kid and then gets killed for it. So like, even when people are trying to redeem themselves, not only are they usually doing it in the wrong way, but they also end up just not being able to do it ultimately at all, which I think is also kind of why the sheriff runs into that last situation drunk because he's basically given up by that point. Like, there's a minute where he had a moment of clarity and he decided to kill the guys that are that are actually bad for the town. And then once he's done that, he's it's put worse, into this situation yeah. where he has to like where where he has to go right back to killing a child again. So yeah. <laughs> well, so then he gets drunk and shows up because at this point, what does it matter anymore, right? So I think that that's one of the themes of this movie that I'm sure the book does better, is just like there's no good people in this movie, and even when they try to be good, they can't for for whatever reason, whether it's that they're just going about it the wrong way or that life is actually getting in their way or whatever it is. They're, it's a very hopeless movie, I think. Yeah, well, okay, I would kind of argue that the sheriff was always corrupt. He just, like, was kind of pushed into a corner, and then... um. Like, cause he, I, I believe the narrator clarifies that 
he he knew they were going to kill him eventually so uh he he just kills them first i guess right yeah i can i can definitely agree to that so um yeah i don't know but yeah either way you're right that that is that feels like the general saying of it all is just that people do shitty things uh because they want to and there's like some religion tie into that well, that's the but, other theme of this movie, is I think this is a movie about what religion and spirituality can do to people. Not necessarily in a bad way, though in this movie it happens to always be bad. Um, yeah, that's, that's the thing. I, I felt like it was kind of lazy in that, in that way, because it, it just like, it felt like repeatedly it was trying to say, religion is bad, religion is bad, it makes people crazy and evil right and i don't think that's um even though i'm not religious myself i think that's just like a lazy take on religion i think like but i also in that it has good and bad things right and it feels kind of heavy-handed it's like it's trying to teach me something but like it's being not subtle at all about it i do kind of wonder about that though because i didn't i the the bad guys in this movie were preachers like that's that's who the bad guys were or the main two yeah. but like i don't think this movie was trying to say that religion is bad or at the very least i don't think the story that this movie is based on is trying to say that i think that this movie was a movie about different ways that people experience spirituality because we had um willard russell bill skarsgård he's a guy who's basically stopped praying and then he has his son and he gets and he starts praying again. But eventually, like the only way that he knows to like he's a deeply religious man. And the only way that he knows to talk to God is through prayer. And it eventually kind of drives him to sort of insane prayers. I guess an excess of, of religion, of spirituality, um, which is also kind of what you get in the character of Roy Lafferty played by Dudley Dursley from uh, Harry Potter, who is yeah. Lenora's father at the beginning. Uh, he is a preacher who is deeply, deeply, deeply uh, spiritual. But, like, um, eventually, for whatever reason, he decides that... You know, he, he thinks that God has called upon him to perform a miracle, so he kills his wife and tries to resurrect her, which, believe it or not, doesn't work. Um, then we have Lenora, who is sort of blind, blinded by her blinded by her spirituality into just blindly accepting Robert Pattinson, who's kind of a false prophet. Um, and then there's uh, and then there's Jason Clark's character. Uh, what's his name? Hank Carl, who is at one point at, at one point it's described that like the way like taking pictures for him is a deeply spiritual experience and he gets off on taking these pictures. So like, yeah, I guess, I guess this movie doesn't have very nice things to say about organized religion, but I think this is a movie about like a few different, like how all of these, what ties into this movie is how all of these different characters experience religion or spirituality and sort of every single one of them having to deal with sort of an excess of that 
Okay. Yeah, I, I can I can see what you mean. That's that's a cool way of looking at it, actually. I would um, say that ultimately that's not I really want to read the book, actually, the more I talk about it, because these are all things that I'm sure can that definitely can come across better in the book. Um, I just I don't think they were done very well in this movie. Like, yeah. while I believe that the point of Jason Clark's character, Carl, is that he is a deeply spiritual person and that for him that manifests in like his particular brand of murder, as weird as that sounds, I definitely did not get most of that from this movie except for one line that the narrator delivered. Yeah. Speaking of the narrator, that a lot of the narration was honestly terrible. I he I is really... a first time narrator. He just wrote this book, okay? Oh uh, yeah, I didn't <laughs> I didn't mean narrator as in like this is bad. His voice is alright. Um as more in that like the dialogue for the narrator was extremely unnecessary and poor. And it felt like I was watching like Dora the Explorer or something, and they had to explain to me everything that was happening in the movie. Um, like I understand, I don't, I don't, okay, I don't love narration in the first place, but I, I, I kind of like, I like it if it is being used in a way that, um, you know, helps helps reinforce the movie, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but in this, every time the narrator talked. They were talking, they were saying stuff that you could easily see from the screen uh, without without the narrator. Or even like if they if they didn't have a narrator speaking, they could easily uh, present what he was trying to say in a much more subtle slash quicker way, right? I think um, yeah. so there were several points where the narrator was doing things like he delivered the intro of the movie. He delivered the outro of the movie and he helped the transitions that like went through time. But every other point where there was a narrator, he was, you know, whether you liked him or not, he was unnecessary, I think. Yeah, it, it felt way too preachy and childish. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and it's lazy too, honestly. Like, to, please, please don't just... Like it's it's the it's the first rule of filmmaking. Show don't tell. Please don't just tell me what the character is feeling right now when it's pretty obvious from the screen what he's feeling. Yeah, so, you have hired yeah. Tom Holland to portray what the character is feeling. Yeah, yeah. let him do it. <laughs> and he he was doing it. That's the thing. But That's, yeah, exactly. Like there's that there's the oh the the narration at the end was terrible too because it doesn't wrap up anything and he's just saying like. Like, oh, Tom Holland's very sleepy right now, and he's thinking this and that. And it's like, yeah, I can see he's sleepy. Like, I just, he's literally falling asleep on the screen. Oh, my God, you're right. He literally did say Tom Holland is very sleepy right now. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know, dude. Like, the stuff, like, I, I feel like this movie, like, uh, was trying. That's, that. like, it, it feels very pretentious. That's what, that's the biggest thing about it is, like, I, I don't mind, like, I kind of, the experimental format of, like, uh, of having the movie basically almost be split in two and having, like, the ensemble cast and the themes are a little off, um, you know, it's kind of interesting, right? But the worst, I think the worst part is that it feels like it's trying to sell itself as, like, this high-class, 
prestigious movie, if that makes sense, that thinks mm -hmm. it's like really smart, you know, um, when it really isn't. It's it's a pretty stupid movie in all in all, in my opinion. Uh, there's very like doesn't really give you much to think about. Everything's straightforward. None of the plot threads connect. Like even the basic simple like narrative plot structure is not. Well, I there think at that's all. the and that's the biggest tragedy of this movie is that you say it's pretty stupid, but it doesn't have to be. All no. of the makings are here of a very very good movie. Yeah, I I agree completely, and it just kind of hurt to see it um shot down like shut down in every way that it could have been good. Uh, but there, there was still lots of like honestly, I'm I'm impressed. I paid attention for as long as I did, just in terms of uh, like getting back to the acting. Um, all the all of the performances were really really good. Like I don't uh -huh. I can't I can't name maybe not all of them were really good, but like everyone did their part. I can't think of anybody that was bad in this movie. And uh, like I said, like Tom Holland and. Uh, like the i guess the ensemble cast in general really elevated the script in every way they could they mm -hmm. they went hard on this uh and then stuff like the music was pretty good the cinematography was amazing it looked very like it was a very nice looking movie surprisingly and um yeah i don't like that's the thing it felt like everything was there except for a script and a director yeah, I think this movie maybe yeah, actually I think this movie suffers most in its direction. Just and not even necessarily You know what? I don't know if I do mean that. I the script and the director. I I agree with both of those. I don't think that the direction was anything special and the director also wrote the screenplay, which is what I think was the heart was the worst part of it. Yeah. Because this movie is there's enough in this movie that I want to like it a lot. And ultimately, I did actually like it quite a bit, but I will never watch this movie again because I don't think there's any reason to. Like, I have experienced yeah. everything this movie has to give to me, and I'm ultimately a little disappointed. Yeah, I had low expectations coming in, too. I, I think the, the biggest part is that yeah, I, I, I it, it, it feels like it's about to offer you something better, and it never does. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's, um, you know, not the uh, unfortunate, I guess. But yeah, uh, solid. Like I guess it's honestly, in a like, in in the in the grand scheme of things, it's it's not a bad movie. It's like, it's it's good. It's not okay. Not good. It's average. I guess yeah and it, i don't regret watching it but yeah i wouldn't watch it again so so uh do you want to do you want to put a number on that do you want to give a suggestion or anything sure i'll i think personally i'll give it a four maybe a three like high three low four i, I like objectively i give it a five but um i just don't i don't i don't like what it's like i, I don't like the prestigeness attempt it's trying to give off sure so i'm giving a bias three or four and a objective five i gotta say so for me i really like i really like movies that are set in the midwest and that are just sort of about horrible people living life so like this movie should have been every like this movie should be perfect for me and 
ultimately, I liked it a lot because I like those two things. But I really think that everything I liked about this movie was done better by other movies in the same basic genre. Specifically, I'm never going to watch this movie again because No Country for Old Men exists. So go watch Old Country for Old Men, or No Country for Old Men. That's my recommendation. As for The Devil All the Time, I don't know. I think I'll give it a five. Like, it's, it's about average. There is a lot to like there. But like, like I said, everything that I think is good about this movie, I think has been done better somewhere else. Yeah, very fair. Um, very much a Netflix movie. <laughs> which is weird because this is a movie that seems like a weird one for Netflix to make and yet ultimately is pretty on par, on brand. Yeah, just like the epitome of... I, I think the biggest thing is like Netflix gives its directors a lot of creative control. And... Of which I can't blame them. Sometimes it, it, it turns out kind of well, right? But then... Well, uh, I guess in this you know, case, it, it felt like they just threw a lot of money at it and uh, hoped it worked. And honestly, like I, I, it sounds like it got a lot of viewers because of the oh, cast, it, in my opinion. But yeah, and like, I mean, there's, yeah. Ultimately, I think that's the thing is a lot of creative control. I'm always in favor of more creative control rather than less creative control. But sometimes, like, the studio does need to step in and say when something isn't working. I don't know if that would have helped this movie that much, because I don't know that any specific part of it wasn't working once they started filming it. But, like, someone should have looked at the script and said, hey, you need to work on this a little bit before yeah. you film this. Yeah. Unless... I mean, hell, they got, the, they got the writer of the movie to... Uh, the writer of the book to be involved with this movie. I I really wish, I mean, I guess the writer of the book is also not the writer of screenplays. So like he might not have been able yeah. to tell what was wrong with it, but like, I from, wish that uh, they I've could have communicated things a little Rowling. better. From what I've seen of JK Rowling uh, writing screenplays, I feel like the author to screenplay transition isn't always the greatest. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. So, like, I don't want... I, I'm not saying that the author of the book should have written this screenplay. Probably he shouldn't have. But he was able to communicate this stuff in his book. Maybe he could have take a look, taken a look at the screenplay and seen what was, what was wrong. Maybe not. I guess true. it's kind of hard yeah. to tell. Very fair. Cool. Oh, so that's we're, we're out of movies to talk about. So I guess we're going to talk about the one that I keep harping on about every couple of every couple of episodes. Pierre, are you ready to watch First Cow? Yeah, I I don't think you've ever mentioned that movie before, but okay. I've mentioned it at least two or three times on this Actually, podcast, but always okay. in passing. Okay. I'll be like, we'll get around to First Cow eventually. Cool. Let's watch First Cow. I, it doesn't sound like a real movie. It is. And it's one that uh, it was it was. I think it's, I don't know if it's going to get awards attention, but it went to film festivals and got good reviews. So that's where we're starting from. Sick. Can't wait. And Pierre, what's our last word today? 